Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. It's great to be with you here today. I'm um, excited. Uh, Jen and I have actually been coming to Greenhouse for a few months now. We've been coming to mostly the 10.30 service, um, but it's great to be here early at the 9 a.m. service. Um, we, we actually had a plan to plant a church. We, we actually came here last year and shared a little bit about that, um, and we've decided to put those plans on hold for now, and we're just trying to discern what God has for us or when is the right time to plant that church, or does he want us to actually do something else? Uh, but we're here at Greenhouse until God tells us to do something else or to plant that church. Uh, and and we're, we're glad to be here and we're glad to be part of this community. Um, to tell you a little bit more about us, uh, we, um, we've got three boys. We've got Kit, who's nine, Judah, who's six, and Mac is one. Uh, Jen and I both grew up on the coast. Uh, we, we love living on the coast. Um, and we pretty much lived here our whole life, except for when we lived in Thailand. And we lived there for seven years. We were missionaries there. Um, and it was such an amazing, rewarding experience. Uh, it was also really stressful and challenging most of the time. Um, and, yeah, during that time, we did a whole bunch of different things. We were, um, you know, we did lots of work with kids in slums. We um, um, did heaps of English teaching at schools and universities and just any way we could teach English, any opportunity to create a connection with new people, we would take that. Um, we worked with um, organisations that worked with um, families with HIV and um, oh, we, we did a whole bunch of stuff. But the main, the main thing we did was um, we planted a church in Bangkok uh, and we started a cafe as well. So from the cafe we ran church, uh, we did those English lessons, we did all sorts of community outreach and we just kind of did everything out of, out of that cafe. And it was a real place of community and there was just always young people there having coffee and studying and we're right near a university so there was always heaps of uni students and it was always, um, I guess what I'm kind of proudest of is just whenever you went into that cafe there was always people there and there was always this warm community feel. Um, and we handed over to Thai leadership so it's doing really well now, we've got Thai leaders there running it all. Um, and we came back to Australia about four years ago. So it's been an interesting experience come back to Australia, but it's, it's nice to be back in Australia. Hey, let's look at the text. Ben just asked me to preach from uh, Luke 12, 1 to 3. All right, so it says, Meanwhile, the crowd, had, the crowd, sorry, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all secrets will be made known to all. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you've whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. When Benja asked me to preach from this, this um, passage, my first thought was, oh no. And I thought... 
my heart kind of dropped a bit because naturally I'm an introvert and whenever I come and preach, I feel like I've kind of got to psych myself up a bit. I feel like I've kind of got to fake the confidence to speak in front of people. And here Jesus is saying, don't be someone you're not because you will be exposed. And I'm feeling a bit exposed. <laughs> I'm going to be open and honest today. So yes, let's, let's look at the text. The first thing is meanwhile. So this word is actually important because it's referring back to um, chapter 11. Um, and in, in other translations, they say, under these circumstances. Um, so we need to understand what these circumstances are that Jesus is teaching. And so if we look back at chapter 11, immediately before this, for like 15 verses, Luke... Uh, Jesus is just ripping into the Pharisees and the scribes. He's just tearing shreds off them. He says, woe to you Pharisees, six times. He calls them, you foolish people. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they would have been so angry, they were seething. And if we look at, yeah, verses 53 and 54 in chapter 11, immediately before this, it says, as Jesus was leaving, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees were became hostile and tried to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. These are the circumstances. It's this point in Jesus' ministry where the, the opposition and kind of the persecution is really starting to ramp up. Uh, and the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're looking for an opportunity to trap him. They want to get rid of him. They've had enough of Jesus. And what we see is there's thousands of people gathered to come see Jesus and they're starting to crush each other. So opposition is increasing, but so too are the crowds. Uh, next, Jesus warns about the yeast of the Pharisees. And when we're cooking, yeast can be good or bad. Who loves fermented foods? I love fermented foods and without them... Without yeast, we can't have fermented foods. Like, we can't have sourdough, we can't have beer, we can't have uh, kimchi, kefir, kabucha, miso. All these things are fermented. I remember in Thailand, we used to eat these um, fermented pork sausage, pork sausages, and they used to make up this meat stuff, and they'd just hang it out in the sun all day, and I guess it'd ferment all day, and then they'd cook it, and you'd eat it, and it was awesome. I never got sick. I don't know how it worked, but it was good. So yeast can be amazing, but it also ruins food if you don't want it in there. Um, I used to brew beer, and if you get a tiny bit of wild yeast in the mix, it just throws the whole thing off and it just tastes horrible. And it used to take me about six weeks from the start of the batch to the end of the batch. And sometimes you wouldn't know until the very end of that six weeks that you've just ruined 50 litres of beer. And it was so disappointing that it was like, oh, I've spent all this time making this beer and after six weeks it's ruined. And, and it's because wild yeast has got in. And that could have been as simple as, uh, you know, I put down the mixing spoon on a table that I didn't sanitise. It could be just such a short amount of time, but that tiny bit of yeast gets in and infects everything. Uh, yeast can just spread so quickly and it, and it can affect everything. Uh, so when Jesus is saying, being careful of their yeast, be careful of their hypocrisy, he's saying even a tiny bit of hypocrisy in our life can kind of just throw everything off and just ruin the whole thing, ruin our whole life. And it's probably Jesus' biggest criticism of the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, don't, 
be hypocrites. It's their, like, it's their disordered understanding of the law um, that, and it's not so much a deliberate deceit, it's his self-deception, um, but it, um, that's what corrupts the Pharisees. The sheer moral inconsistency of seeing others' faults but not being aware of their own. Uh, hypocrisy, Jesus talks about it all through the Gospels. Uh, and back in chapter 11, he says, he says to the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup, but you leave the inside untouched. And how often are we focused on our outward actions and doing, acting right, but we're not focusing on our internal motivations. We're not worried about actually our, our heart and what's going on inside our heart. Uh, Jesus goes on to say, you know, secrets will become public, the truth will be revealed, anything said in the dark will be heard in the light. So we can't, cons- we can't deceive ourselves and think that we can hide the truth. The truth will be revealed. The Pharisees, they gave, um, earthly priori- they gave priority to earthly things, but they forfeited eternity because they were focused on, on earthly things. They were focused on, on the outside. They weren't focused on their heart. I'm constantly saddened and shocked by um, moral failings of pastors. I'm just... I just can't believe that happens. And I think what is going on in their internal life, internal lives? They can try to hide it and cover it up, but the truth always comes out. So how, how can we avoid hypocrisy in our life? I think, I think a good way is to look at um, Christian leaders who have actually done that test of time and have remained faithful to Jesus throughout their whole lives. I've been getting into biographies recently and I just read Rich Mullins, which is really good, Dallas Willard, Eugene Peterson. And there's these guys who have spent their life just growing closer and closer to God. And, you know, their lives become more and more integrated as they spend their whole life with God. As you know, um, Tim Keller has recently died. And I remember someone saying about him, they said there's no private Tim. He's the same on the couch at home as he is in the pulpit. And that's, that's what I want to be. That's inspiring to me. I want to be the same Daniel, you know, here on stage teaching as I am at home. I don't, I don't want there to be two different Daniels, just one Daniel, one integrated self. So after a few months of trying, I've done it. I'm now fully integrated. <laughs> Sunday mornings, we all get up peacefully. We've all had a full night's sleep at home. Uh, we, we all wake up. We're happy. The undisturbed night of sleep, and the kids speak t- kindly to each other. They don't fight over the TV. They they make their own breakfast. They don't complain about the food. Um, we all get dressed in a timely manner. We hop in the car without rushing and without fighting. Genevieve and I never argue in the car on the way to church. <laughs> and we seamlessly enter into worship at church because we're being aware of God's presence all morning. <laughs> okay, obviously I'm joking. Our mornings are pretty much the opposite of that. We didn't even bring our kids this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to Jesus. He talks a lot about hypocrisy. Um, it, it, back in uh, chapter 6, he as an illustration about hypocrisy, he says... Um, no good, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does bad do, 
nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is within your heart. Our whole lives testify to who we are. Our whole lives cry out who we are. And we can try to hide it. Uh, And, you know, possibly you can try and conceal your true identity, but it's hard to keep that act up because truth is always revealed. Um, I teach biblical studies at Greenpoint Christian College, and we recently had a, um, a year 10 biblical studies assessment, and almost instantly I could tell that a lot of the students had been using chat GPT. <laughs> and, you know, like, they're perfectly formatted, grammar's perfect, um, you know, and, and also it's kind of this broad overview. There's, there's not a lot of detail in it. Uh, it was almost instantly recognisable. Um, the students think they can fool me, but the truth will always be revealed. Lots of people have been using AI to try to manipulate the Bible or, or you know, come up with these interesting uh, Bible rewrites. My favourite one um, is when someone asked it to write a biblical verse in the style of the King James Bible exp- explaining how to remove a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR. <laughs> All right. So this is what ChatGPT said. And it came to pass that a man was troubled by a peanut butter sandwich, for it had been placed within his VCR, and he knew not how to remove it. And he cried out to the Lord, saying, O Lord, how can I remove this sandwich from my VCR? For it is stuck fast and will not budge. And the Lord spoke unto him, saying, Fear not, my child, for I shall guide thy hand... And show thee the way. Take thy butter knife and carefully insert it between the sandwich and the VCR, gently praying them apart. And with patience and perseverance, the sandwich shall be removed and thy VCR shall be saved. (laughs) The man did as the Lord commanded, and lo and behold, the sandwich was removed from the VCR and the man was saved. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, Verily, I say unto thee, seek not put thy peanut butter sandwich in the VCR, for it is not suitable place for such things. <laughs> Rather keep thy sandwich in the refrigerator or on thy plate, where they belong. And the man heeded the Lord's words, and from that day forth he kept his sandwich in the proper place and was saved from trouble and woe. Amen. It's pretty good, but it's not the Bible. It's not true. We can try to hide our true identity, but the truth will be revealed. You know, we, when, when we hear Jesus' teaching, we need to actually integrate it into our life. Uh, we all, we're all compelled by Jesus. We all want to follow Jesus, but it's hard, and life is messy. The stuff of life, it all gets in the way. The busyness of life, uh, just stuff happens, and it's hard. Uh, We need to constantly surrender our lives to Jesus. We want to surrender everything we have. But often we don't. Why don't we? I think often it's pride. 
We want to run our own lives. We don't trust God that he's going to always come through. He's not going to, you know, we don't quite have that patience to trust God's going to come through for us. Constantine Campbell talks about pride, and he said that he's a biblical scholar. He says that it's the biggest um, sin in Scripture. It's the, it's, uh, the greatest sin. And he says Jesus can forgive any sin, but only after, those, uh, after we're repentant and we show faith. Jesus can only forgive the humble. Constantine Campbell, he, he goes on to say, he talks about three different types of pride. It says there's hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and judgmentalism. Hypocrisy is a false presentation of oneself. Saying one thing, uh, the hypocrite does another. Hypocrisy is fueled by, faith, uh, fueled by pride. Self-righteous people believe they're morally superior to others. They look down on the unrighteous and take pride in their own performance. People who judge others um, do so from a position of moral superiority. They look down on people um, rather than empathise with them. Judgmental people see themselves in the role, not in the role of sinner, but in, role, in the role of God. That's pride. That's how the Pharisees lived. They were hypocrites, they were self-righteous, uh, and they were judgmental. We need to live humbly and honestly. If not, that can quickly happen in our lives. Those, those, you know, a little bit of judgmentalism can kind of slip in. A little bit of self-righteousness can slip in. Hypocrisy can slip in. And it can corrupt our whole lives. Uh, we need to surrender to God, but we kind of need to surrender to each other as well. We need each other. We need an interdependent community. We need to, um, yeah, we need to trust God with our whole life, uh, trust him with everything. Jesus trusted God with his whole life. He went all the way to the cross. But we also need to trust each other with our lives and trust each other with our internal worlds. When I look back at my life, I can see a constant in my life, something that's always been there. Um, and, and that thing is The Simpsons. <laughs> I watched a lot of Simpsons as a kid and as a teenager, as a young adult. Uh, and I feel like there's, I feel like there's a, a Simpsons clip for every preacher illustration. So I've got a clip, which we're going to show now. <laughs> All right. So I feel like I can relate to Homer. I feel like I've had an, a, similar, um, a similar thing happened. So 16 years ago, the Pashabolka crashed on Nombi's Beach. Who remembers the Pashabolka? I've got a photo. Here it is. And it was on the beach for almost a month. And I remember we were living in Berkeley Vale at the time. And I remember keep thinking, I'll go, I'll go, up, I'll go up in a few days. I'll go up later. I'll go up later. And I said that for nearly a month. And then it was on July 1st, I remember it was a Sunday, I said, okay, I've got Tuesday off, I'm going to finally go up and see the Pasha Bolka. Monday evening, they pulled it off the beach. <laughs> and I never got to see it. And I thought, you idiot, Daniel, why did I do that? Anyway, let's go back to the text again. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, a crowd of many thousands gathered. I think sometimes we forget how amazing this was, that thousands and thousands of people would gather wherever Jesus was. And, you know, there was no internet, there was no news. It was all just spread by word of mouth. 
Can you imagine what that would have been like? Imagine we're all just here and you just see, you hear, see people start whispering. You see just hundreds and hundreds of people pouring down the streets. They're all rushing down the entrance because the rabbi Jesus has come to town. The one that everyone's been talking about for months and weeks and he's actually here in our town. And everyone just rushes down there and the entrance is just packed full and there's thousands of people cramming together. Um, just everyone's trying to see Jesus. And that happened everywhere Jesus went. How amazing would that have been there to be there seeing Jesus? But we still have that opportunity. We still have that opportunity today. We can still come to Jesus. We can still encounter Jesus. Let's not be like Homer and Mr. T. Let's not be like me and the Pasha Bolka. Let's actually run to Jesus. Let's surrender our lives before Jesus. I, I want to finish with this prayer. Um, and it's from a prayer book called The Valley of Vision. So let's all just close our eyes. Let's look to Jesus. Let's not miss this opportunity to run and go see Jesus. Let's rush to him. Let's pray. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but I see the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox. The way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to be nothing is that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime stars can be seen from the deepest wells. In the deep wells, in the deep wells, the brighter the sun, the stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy peace, that thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory. <laughs>